Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. to another edition, actually the final edition of 2018 of the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. This is episode number 56. I'm Felipe Leon, and with me always is none other than Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Good evening, everybody. How are you doing, Felipe? Good. Thanks, David. And here we are, the last episode of 2018 for the two-minute round. We've done 56 of these. We've gone two or three years, and we've had, like we've mentioned before, some of the biggest names in female boxing. Last week, we had Lou DiBella. I mean, the last two, last show, episode 55, we had Lou DiBella. Before that, we had Cecilia Brekus. We had Clarissa Shields. We had Amanda Serrano. We had everybody that's anybody in the female fight world. And we will continue to do that in 2019. Just a couple of show notes before we move on to the actual show. This is like I mentioned last show of 2019. And our next show will be January 3rd, which will be our final the final year extravaganza. We're going to go over everything for 2018. Um, all the fights that we thought were good, all the fighters that we thought were good. And then we'll be looking forward towards 2019. So our next show, we'll have our end of, of the year awards, will be January 3rd. So, David, let's move on to the fight results and talk about some of the fights that we saw happen in the last couple of weeks, some very interesting things, and then what is going to be coming up in the next two or three weeks in boxing, which there is still some female boxing by the end of this year. But starting yeah. on Saturday, December 1st, in Santa Fe, Argentina, Victoria Noelia Buster scored a unanimous decision over Enis Pacheco in a 10-rounder for the vacant 140-pound 140, 140 IBF title. The scores there were 99-91, 98-91, and 97-93. So that uh, division starts heating up once again with Jessica McCaskill, the WBC champion, and now we have a new IBF champion and like when we had Rick Ramos and Jessica Malcasco about a month and a half ago here on the show, they were mentioned that they were willing to fight any of the Argentinians, which they did to capture the title. They beat Erika Anabella Farias for that WBC title. And now we have another Argentinian in Noelia Bustos capturing that IBF 140-pound title. The same night, but in Quebec, Canada, on the undercard of uh, Gosnick against Adana Stevenson, there was a little bit of an upset when the, I think she's from Uruguay, Chris Namus, lost her IBF super welterweight title to local Maria Eve DeCary with scores of 97-93 two times for uh, uh, DeCary. Actually, they were all 97-93, two times for DeCary, 96-94 for DeCary, which now we have another uh, champion there at 154 pounds uh, dethroning uh, Chris Nemos, who was a champion for for quite some time, and in Japan, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, very hard to beat a Canadian Canada. Very hard. Huh. 
Uh, well, I mean, Gosling did it, and he did it with a knockout. Um, the only even way. Though, <laughs> yeah, that's the only way. And sometimes you could even <laughs> come close to knocking him out and still not get the win, like what happened with, uh, um, how was that? He brought up Andrade. Yeah, he brought Andrade and Butte. In Japan, yeah. <laughs> uh, in Osaka, Japan, the same night on Saturday, December 1st, Etsuko Tada scored a unanimous decision over Kayoko Ibata, capturing the 105-pound WBO title scores. They were 98-92 two times and 97-93. And, and uh, in Mexico, Irma Garcia scored a split decision over Iraiz, Aces Vargas, and an eight-rounder at 118 pounds. The scores were 80-71 for Garcia and 79-72 for Garcia. And a much closer 76-75. Vargas and in Washington, D.C., Tory Nelson scored a unanimous decision over Sana Turunen in a 10-rounder and 160 pounds. That was a dominating 193 times. Now, David, I don't know if you had a chance to watch this next fight that I'm going to mention, but it happened in, in France, in Paris, on Tuesday, December 4th, between the French Maiva Hamadou scoring a fifth-round TKO over Brazilian Vivian Albinoff in a 10-rounder at featherweight. And that fight, David, it was passed around on Twitter. People were tweeting about it, and a lot of people are considering it the fight of the year. I got to see it on YouTube, and I think it is the fight of the year, David. It was very exciting. Um, You thought that maybe Hamadou was going to just run over Albinoff, which in a way she did. But Obanov gave as good as she took, as long as she could. And then at the end, Hamadou just ended up, you know, just running right through her. I, I have to see it. I didn't get a chance to see it. Yeah, if you, if, you, if you go on YouTube and just put their names in there, it'll pop up. It'll be in French, which was actually good because I learned how to pronounce her name. It's not Hamadou. It's <laughs> Hamadou. So, so there you go. Yeah, and... Yeah, they don't pronounce those last uh, three letters. Now, like the Japanese. <laughs> and uh, Lou DeBella on our last show a couple weeks ago mentioned that that is a fight. Uh, well, to go back a little bit, and Lou DeBella here on the show gave us a little bit of breaking news, which people have been talking about it on Twitter. They've been tweeting about it, where he mentioned that in the first quarter of 2019, he's in talks with Steven Espinosa of Showtime Sports to put on an all-women uh, Showtime telecast um, with featuring anywhere from three to four title fights. And Hamadou is the IBF. I believe she's the IBF. Is she the IBF 130-pound champion, David? She's uh, champ. Yes, she was. She, yeah. she was. Let me, let me go on here real quick. So, I, uh, and, um, uh, and thinking of putting on, putting her on against, um, Jelena Maranovic. Oh, no, no, no. He wanted to do Eva Wanstrom against uh, right. Eva Hamadou. But now we know that Eva Wanstrom has a, a, a date this Saturday, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. So uh, I saw somebody on Twitter mention that why not do Hamadou against Melissa St. Bill, who Lou DeBella promotes. Right. And she is the IBF, uh, IBF 130-pound champion. Uh, the exactly. WBA is... She yes. beat uh, Jennifer Salinas for that title. In France? Yeah, in France. 
The WBO champion is Ewa Bronica. The IBF is Maiba Hamadou. The WBC is Eva Wonstrom. And the WBA is Hyun Mi Choi. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm really intrigued. I'm really excited. I want to see what are the fights that are made by Lou DiBella. Lou DiBella, as we mentioned on the show last time, he's a big supporter of female boxing. He has a number of female fighters in his stable. We we could talk about that, and we could talk about what we saw this last weekend on HBO with female fights. But let's go through the rundown of the fight results, and then we'll get there, and we'll talk about that and discuss that. On Friday, December 7th in Laredo, Texas, Christina Fuentes fought to a split truck is Brittany Ordonez in an every rounder at 126 pounds. Scores there were 78-74 for Fuentes, 77-75 for Ordonez, and an even 76-76. And and on Saturday, December 8th in Belgium, Nina Razavanovic scored a, a split decision over Sanei Ja for the vacant IBO Flyweight title scores there were 97-94 and 97-92 for Radovanovic, 95-94 for Ja. And in Belgium, the same night, but in a different city, Delphine Persoon scored a TKO over Judy Wakuzi in a 10-rounder defending her WBC 135 Pantano. We'll talk about her in, in a couple minutes, too, because there is some news that just popped up today regarding Delphine Persoon. And from the Subhub Center on December 8th, this last weekend, the last HBO telecast at least scheduled for the network after 45 years of boxing, Cecilia Brake, who scored a unanimous decision over Alexander Lopes in a 10-rounder, uh, defending her IBF, IBO, WBC, WBA, WBO, and Ring Magazine titles at welterweight scores. There were 192 times in 99-91. Clarissa Shields uh, scored a unanimous decision over Femke Hermans in a 10-rounder, defending her WBC, IBF, and WBA middleweight titles 193 times there. And on a non-televised fight, Luisa Harden scored a fifth-round TKO over Lorraine Villalobos in a 10-rounder for the vacant interim WBC atomweight title. David, I got a lot to talk about of, of this uh, fight card. So why don't we start with you? You were there. The crowd looked very sparse on TV and on pictures. Why don't you tell us about that and and then give us your thoughts about the fight and about what you were there, what you saw there live. Well, there was only about 900 people there. Uh, It was a cold night. Uh, There was a lot going on. Um, It just, uh, their opponents were very subpar. They're European fighters. And uh, even though, um, uh, Cecilia fought uh, uh, Alexandra Mag- Lopez, who who lives in the U.S. She's actually from Poland, but um, they, the crowd just wasn't there. They just weren't there for that kind of matchup. The 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 one that really shined was Clarissa Shields. She um, she came out exploding, and um, she hurt her badly a couple of times, especially with the left hook in the third or fourth one, I think. And after that, uh, Femke Hermans just went into survival mode. She seldom threw a punch. She seldom, uh, uh, in fact, she didn't attack at all. She just went into defense, and Clarissa had to basically chase her. And um, it was a very, after the fourth round, it was just, you, you could have mailed it in. 
but it's the scene of um, Bakery's fight. Um, she was just too good. She was two levels above uh, Lopez, and uh, it was another example of uh, the European style. Once they're overmatched, they're not trying to win because they don't know how to win by knockout. They're basically boxers, and mm-hmm. she just went into total survival mode. Probably the better fight was Louisa Houghton and Lorraine Villalobos. Uh, for three three rounds, they went at it on even grounds. Uh, Lorraine had a really good second round. Uh, Louisa had a good first and third. And then uh, Lorraine Villalobos ran out of gas. She's basically a four-round fighter, and she was called in last minute, and she ran out of gas completely. <laughs> she just she couldn't throw a punch. She tried. And she's just getting walloped by uh, Houghton. And uh, Villalobos' corner stopped the fight in the end of the uh, fifth round. But it, while it lasted, it was pretty good. Um, it, it was kind of sad to see that you had all females in these fights, and the only one that was really worth uh, on equal grounds was the last fight, the untelevised fight. But the mm-hmm. two that were televised, they're very one-sided fights. Very well said. Yeah, you know that is a shame. And but another thing too, as far as the the crowd, that a lot of people like on social media are trying to blame female boxing and use the fact that the ratings were very low uh, for HBO's last telecast and the fact that you just mentioned that there was about 900 people in the venue. But you also have to remember that it is boxing and that you also have to somehow promoted in a certain way. I mean, here we have two women who have no connection to the area whatsoever. Cecilia Breakers is from Norway. She trained in LA, but nobody really knows her in Los Angeles, let alone the United States. And then we have Clarissa Shields, who was added, you know, two weeks prior to the date with no ties to Los Angeles whatsoever. She's from Flint, Michigan. She trains in Florida, you know. So, yeah. You could have put them anywhere, and they're probably besides their hometowns, and they're not going to draw because because you have to have a local fighter or somebody that. That's why Chocolatito was on that card because they knew that he was going to be the ticket seller because he was going to bring in the sizable Nicaraguan audience from LA, which we've seen it before at the Sub Hub for him. But when he went yeah. off the card, then those Nicaraguans decided not to come out, and Juan Francisco Gallito Estrada although Mexican, was in a horrible fight against a, a, a fellow gym. His, he's a, they're in the same gym. They train together. Yeah. So yeah. he didn't sell anything. <laughs> so you can't blame for, female boxing for the, 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 the tickets that were not sold on that sub-hub date. Well, the other problem, too, is that HBO did not put up a big enough uh, purse. I mean, they could have grabbed the Lila McCarter who was at the fight. They could have grabbed the Naoko Fujioka who was at the fight. They could have grabbed a number of fighters that were there. Melissa McMorrow was there. A lot of these fighters could have fought, but the money offered by HBO was very little. And it wasn't enough to entice uh, McCarter who really wanted to fight Cecilia Bikers or, or anybody. She, she, she was there and He's joke of the same thing. She would have thought I was hiding in a drop of a hat. And uh, it's just the money. HBO decided, well, it's the last show. We don't want to spend money. It's like 
you're going out to the last show, you would think, okay, let's just put a million dollars in this. We'll get whoever, get the best out there. They didn't get anybody. They decided yeah. to, to give uh, these girls that nobody knows, you know, the money. It's and, kind of sad. And one thing that I do want to uh, add is that I do kind of tip my hat off to the HBO broadcasting team, which of uh, Jim Lampley, Roy Jones Jr., and a very uh, raspy uh, Max Kellerman, who obviously was who had a sore throat and didn't speak much during the uh, the telecast. That they treated the fighters with complete respect. I mean. They weren't downplaying the fact that they were female fighters. They weren't downplaying the fact that the crowd wasn't that big. Um, they 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 called it just like any other HBO fight on HBO, which was very good. They gave great analysis and and the storylines that they were uh, sharing with us during the telecast were very good. So I do tip my hat off that. Now I do want to talk about the 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 best fight of the night, which you mentioned was not telecast was between Australian Luisa Haddon scoring that fifth-round TKO over Lorraine Villalobos. And she, by then, and, and she was able to capture the vacant interim WBC Adam Weight title, the 102-pound title, the same title that she had fought for in her last fight back in September against um, Brenda La Bonita Flores from Tijuana. Now, they were supposed to rematch uh, this last Saturday night, and maybe a week and a half before the date, Flores publicly announced that she wasn't going to be able to defend her title because she had gone the flu and she had not been able to train as she needed to train. And she was pulling out of the fight and then she hoped to defend it against Hodden sometime in the first trimester of 2019. Well, she wasn't given that opportunity because without any rhyme or reason, the WBC stripped her and had Hodden fight for the interim uh, WBC title. Now, granted, Hodden is a former world champion. She had just fought for the title. Many believe that she had won the fight. It was a split decision against Brenda Flores and Brenda Flores' favor. But one who definitely did not deserve to be fighting for any title, any world title at least, at this juncture in her career was at two wins, one loss, as you named her, David, a four-round fighter in Lorraine Villalobos. So a four-round fighter with a record of two wins and one loss as she stepped into the ring, got to fight for a world title. That, to me, you know, hurts female boxing, and, 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 and it helps – for the female boxing to lose credibility when the WBC in this case, and not, and they're not the only ones, because we're going to talk about what the WBO is doing in, in a little bit. But, but in this case, the WBC basically handing this title to Luisa Haddon because, you know, she was the one that was willing to step into the ring on December 8th. And for whatever reason, Flores was not able to do it. And and now Luisa Haddon is the champion, and and Brenda Flores just basically has a title in her in her uh, in her bookshelf that doesn't mean anything but memories. Yeah, they kind of mentioned uh, more than a few times that Brenda Flores was on social media uh, uh, sending pictures on uh, Instagram from Big Bear. <laughs> they they mentioned that several times. She can't fight, but she's in Big Bear. 
Hey, well, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. I mean, I, I agree with that. And yeah, I did exactly. See, I did see some pictures where, you know, she was being announced as, as doing some local things here in Tijuana. But, you know, you got to give her – you got to give her some kind of uh of uh you know a chance to to answer any questions i mean if you were going to strip fighters True. or if you're going to strip world champions because of the pictures that they post on social media i don't think there would be that many champions in both male and female <laughs> uh boxing right very true very true so, I mean, you know, it's a WBC being the WBC. I mean, I'm not picking on the WBC. We've had some talks with the WBC. We've criticized the WBC on the show before. Uh, and, um, and you know, and they're not the only sanctioning body that we're willing to criticize or that we have criticized on there. We just don't want for these kind of decisions to hurt female boxing because now you're – you know, you're seeing a twin one fighter who you mentioned has probably never even been scheduled for more than four rounds fighting for a world title just so that we could give the title to Lisa Haddon, who deserves to fight for the title. Nobody's blaming her, but, right. but you know, you got to win it against somebody that's credible. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I was kind of surprised by the fact that uh, actually you were the one that alerted me that they were fighting for the WBC title. I had no idea that they were fighting for the interim WBC title. <laughs> well, I didn't, that's the whole thing, that they didn't really make it a big fuss about it beforehand. I didn't see any reports from anybody that this was being, that this was going to be a world title. And then all of a sudden, when I saw the pictures of the weigh-in, I saw, uh, I, I forgot who it was, maybe it was Tom Loeffler, maybe it was somebody else, holding a WBC title behind uh, the fighters, and that's when I decided to ask yeah. you what was going on. And then later, when I saw the pictures of Haddon with she won, and she had the title around her waist, then it was confirmed that she actually had won the vacant interim yeah. uh, world title. With the the full fledged champion is fourteen and zero with five knockouts, Fabiana Bitiki from the Czech Republic. She captured that title on September twenty right. second, two thousand eighteen, which makes it even more interesting because Haddon okay. and Flores. Fought for the interim title. Despite the vacant title, I mean, the full-fledged title being vacant, they fought for the interim title before. You know, that's the WBC making deals deals with the fighters. They probably had promised either Bitiki or her promoter that she was going to fight for the title, and then Tom Loeffler asked for the opportunity for a title, and that's what we get, right? So that's what's going on. That's what happened. Yeah, that is that that was... that le- left a bad taste in my mouth when Butiki was named the champion. I go, wait a minute. She was named the champion after these two girls fought their heart out in September, and then Butiki fights a nobody and gets the title. I was like, well, what, I what's mean, going on here? Yeah, well, Harden, I mean, no offense to Villalobos, but Harden basically got the same treatment in this last fight. And I, I like Luisa Hatter. I think she's a hard worker. I think she's a, she sacrificed a lot in her life coming over to the United States from her native Australia and um, leaving her children behind. But, you know. Mm-hmm. She's one of the I most think, exciting fighters, too. Yeah, she's, you know, like you said, it was the best fight of the night. But in her heart of hearts, she knows that she she, she probably wanted to fight somebody that was more credible and more deserving to be in the ring with her for a world title. 
Yeah, I, well, the, the good thing is that you know they're going to fight. Thunder Flores is going to fight Louisa Howden, and they're going to fight for that title. And the decision well, who knows? I mean, there. they're going to give her the opportunity to, to fight for the title despite posting pictures that she was in Big Bear? Well, I guess that'll be our position to stick up for Brenda Flores in that one. Well, that then we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see who Luisa Hannon ends up defending that title for the first time against. Um, now, moving on to a little bit of fight chatter, David. First of all, you know, we get a lot of the news from social media, which is one good thing besides all the bad things that can come with social media. One of them being Brenda Flores posting pictures of herself in Victor when she's supposed to have the flu. That wasn't good. But one good thing that happened <laughs> is that, you know, the fighters, they, they want to give the news as soon as they can. And Amanda Serrano uh, posted a couple of days ago that she wasn't going to be challenging the WBA 115-pound champion for the title because Amache, for whatever reason, can't fight and can't defend it. It looks like she hurt, I think, a hand, and she needs to surgery to correct that. But yeah. today, uh, today Amanda Serrano did announce that on, in January, I think from the Barclay Center, I think it's going to be on the undercard of – Oh, no, maybe not. No, it's going to be in January, sometime in January, but she's going to be fighting for that vacant 115-pound WBO title against who? Who knows? Because the WBO, they, they, they don't bother to rate, to rate or rank any fighters, so they could basically pull anybody from, the, from a hat that can make 115 pounds or is willing to make 115 pounds and fight I, I, I was, Amanda. I was suggesting... Uh... Uh, Japan's uh, Naoko Fujioka, who's a pound-for-pound fighter, and who's won two WBO titles at flyweight and bantamweight, and she'd be perfect. And she's already said yes. We've told uh, Luda Bella that she's already said yes. We've told the Madness people she's already said yes. And, um, you know, if they want to fight somebody that is going to draw fans, that would be the perfect fight. Naoko Fujioka, who's just leaving the U.S. today, well, actually, tomorrow morning uh, from Los Angeles to go back to Tokyo. But she would fight, fight her in a heartbeat. So you, you said you mentioned it to Amanda's people. You mentioned it to uh, uh, Lou DiBella, which we did here on the show, and, and to some other people. Mm-hmm. What, has, what has been the reaction uh, of it, your suggestion? It's kinda, well, it, it's kind of funny because uh, when you speak to uh, – well, I shouldn't say I, I'm not going to say it right now, but let's just say I've heard two different uh, uh, responses. One was, yes, let's do it. The other one was, uh, no, we're going to fight Raja. <laughs> and uh, who knows? I don't, I don't, one, one of those two voices does not want to fight Nyoko Fujioka, maybe because they think she's too tough. I've heard it's because she's too old, but if she's too old, why is she pound for pound? You know, she's there. She's she's won five divisions. Amanda's won six divisions. Nicole's willing to do it, you know. She's she's willing to do it. She just won a world title uh last year again. So Yeah, but that's I, I, I mean, think was that? Well that's ridiculous for them to bring up her age because you know, one thing about female boxing is that 
more so than in male boxing, and we've seen it in male boxing. We've seen George Foreman do the unthinkable and become the world champion at 49 years old, and we saw and we see Bernard Hopkins going to his 50s still at a world class level, and we've seen it in female boxing too. We've seen it with Alicia Ashley. We've seen it with Jolene Blackshear. Um, we're seeing it right yeah. now with both 38 years old Mariana Juarez, who's the world champion, and Jackie Nava, who's also 38 years old and is the world champion. Um, we're still in mm-hmm. it with Marcela Cunha in, uh, in, in, uh, in Argentina. So for them to use her, she's accomplished. That's the whole thing. I mean, if she was a, a, a late 30s, early 40s fighter who has not fought at the world-class level, like maybe um, Alexandra Lopes, who fought Cecilia Breakhouse last weekend, yeah, you got a point. But Naoko Fuyoka is accomplished. I mean, you just gave her credentials. She's a world champion in five different weight classes. There's no way that, that she doesn't have the credentials to challenge for a world title at this point, no matter her age. Yeah, I think she's the, be the perfect fit. Two pound-for-pound fighters with multi-division championships. It, it's a perfect fit. And I know that Nyoko will be there, and that'll be uh, Amanda Serrano's hardest fight. Now, in my the, opinion, the, the, it'll be the hardest. The, the current WBA champions are the WBA's Mexican Maribel Ramirez, the WBC's Guadalupe Martinez, which might be changing, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. The IBF is Georgelina Guanini, and in the WBO right now still, I mean, she hasn't officially been stripped, but it's pretty much a, a matter of time, is Raja Amache. So uh, we'll see. The other thing, too, is that I think that the WBO being that it's based out of Puerto Rico, um, the fact that they don't rank fighters, and the fact that they have basically given Amanda Serrano the red carpet, you know, they're giving her the chance to, to capture her seventh title in as many divisions, you know, without – you know, they're basically doing the same thing that the WBC did for Louisa Haddon, just figuring out a way of making it easy for her to win the world title. Now, if it was Naoko Fuyoka, who is the current WBA flyweight champion, you know, then, then there's something to talk about there. And, and Fuyoka, like you mentioned, is more than willing to step into the ring with one of the best top three female fighters of the day. So, you know, if you're going to make that fight and it's going to be on the zone and it's the first fight of Amanda's three-fight deal with the zone, let's make it a good fight. I mean, the only other fighter that I could think that that would be – that would make sense and it would be – and I don't even know. Is she with Eddie Hearn or with Frank Warren will be Nico, Nicola Adams, which I don't think she's ready for Amanda uh, Serrano anyways. No, no, I don't think so either. But I think that is maybe but, like uh, to use that as, as you know – there. Yeah, yeah. No, Amanda's a very, very good fighter, and you would think she'd want to fight the best too, not you know just somebody they throw in front of her, so she could win a yeah. division. I mean, I mean, she's a proud person, but uh, maybe her team, you know, her team wants it to be the easiest road possible. You know, who knows? I don't know. Well, let's see what develops, and it needs to be developed fairly quickly here because she did mention that that fight was going to happen in mid-January to late January, and we're already in mid-September, so we're about a month and a half away from there. And, um, and, and, and then she did mention that all, all roads lead to Katie Taylor. You know, uh, she said she's going to have one right. fight in between. She said she might be looking between 130 and 135 for that second fight. 
and then the Katie Taylor fight by the end of the year. And then I think that if nothing else comes in boxing, she's going to drop boxing once again and move uh, full-time to MMA. Yeah. Well, let's see. I mean, because uh, making money is basically what what they want. And that's why they went to MMA, as she told said in our show. Um, but, um, you know, if she's making as much money in boxing as an MMA, why go to MMA where she's not really as accomplished? And she, and I believe that she's mentioning that MMA is, I mean, that boxing is her first love. She does love a challenge. She sees MMA as a challenge. She's learning from it. She's fought twice. One was a draw. The second time she did win. So we'll see what happens. But she does have at least one more year, 2019, in female boxing with the deal that Eddie Hearn offered her in the zone. Now, David... Uh, anything else that you might have as far as fight chat or anything that you heard out there on the beat in LA? Uh, let me see. Um, well, I think uh, Adelaide Reese is supposed to be fighting pretty soon in in January, and uh, the one that I'm really I'm heard about is Felicia Estrada, because now that uh, Golden Boy has their shows with the zone. I'm looking for Sunita to be added to one of those shows. Uh, apparently, um, Chazon and Eddie Hearn like female boxing, so that's a plus for us, for anybody who likes female boxing. Yeah, I mean, Eddie Hearn does support female boxing, and he does have a great fight this weekend on in uh, Madison Square Garden that we're going to discuss uh, with Katie Taylor. So, yeah, it's evident that, that Eddie Hearn supports female boxing and that he will continue to do so on the zone and Golden Boy does have uh, some female fighters on their on their banner one of them is pregnant and Marlene Esparza who probably won't be coming back for a little bit Sinez Estrada just captured a WBC silver light flyweight title uh, was it uh, last month mm-hmm. and then uh, and then Whoever else is under underneath the banner. So let's move on to the upcoming calendar and, and discuss these fights a little bit that we have some time. On Friday, December the 14th, which is this Friday, tomorrow night in Argentina, Marcela Cuña is defending her IBF 122-pound title against Jennifer Rodriguez in a 10-rounder. And like we had mentioned, Marcela Cuña basically, you know, she could do whatever she wants. She has that title pretty much held hostage. I don't see her ever coming out of the out of Argentina. Um, I mean, I can't think of anybody at 122 pounds. The champions there is WBA Jasmine Rivas. I don't think Jasmine Rivas can offer her enough money to leave Argentina and come and fight in Mexico to unify. Fatuma Zarika is the WBC champion out of Kenya. Thing. I don't know if there's enough money to entice Acuna to go to Africa and fight there. And then the WBO champion is Dina Torsland, who is 12-0. So, you know, Alcuña basically is just going to stay in Argentina and just defend uh, her title against these unknown women for as long as she can and as long as she wants, seems to me. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, it seems to be the same with the Argentine women. Even Jessica Bop hasn't come out of there. Well, she, I think she's afraid to fight anywhere that she might lose. But, I mean, Bop looks like she's in incredible shape though yeah but i mean even if with bop is that even though she hasn't she's only come out of argentina once 
in her only loss against Jessica Kika Chavez in Mexico some years ago. And if, if you guys had a chance to read the story that I was able to write with a, with a face-to-face interview with Bob earlier this year, where she kind of gave us the details of that fight, how, you know, she felt that the, the, the cards were stacked against her, and she decided not to even make way and to even fight for the title. Um, but she has mentioned that her dream before retirement to fight in the United States and that she would like to fight Marlene Esparza, but that's out the window, too, because Esparza right now is undisposed. So at least she has mentioned Bob, that she wants to come to the United States if enough money is offered and the right opponent, whereas Acuna doesn't say anything about the United States. Yeah, yeah, it's sad, but I, well, I think her, her best is, is long gone. I mean, she was yeah. pretty much annihilated by Daniela Bermudez, and uh, I think she kind of knows the end is coming. Mm-hmm. Now, also this Friday in Mexico, in Coahuila, Mexico, uh, former title challenger Isabel Millan returns her last fight before this one was in England against Nicola Adams for the interim WBO title. And now she's coming back for an easy win against the unknown Perla Rojas Martinez and an eight-rounder at Super Flyweight. And from the American Bank Center in Corpus Christi, Texas, top rank will be showing us on ESPN Plus, Michaela Mayer against Calixta Silgado in an eight-rounder. And it's being lifted at 126 pounds title, 126 pounds, Davis. I don't know if that's accurate. Actually, they weighed in today. Do you do you do you see how much they weighed in at? No, sorry, I didn't catch it. I thought it was going to be Let at 130. See. Yeah, because we. I mean, she has been fighting. She started her career at close to 135 as an amateur. She fought at 132, which she expressed to us in an interview that we had with her here. Um, here on the on the two minute round, then slowly but surely she's been moving down to 130 because she mentioned that if she was going to look for a title, she wanted to do it at 130 because she wants to be a multiple multiple divisional world champion and she could do make 130. Um, so she would like to fight there and then eventually move on to 135, David. And it is uh, it is going to be a super featherweight, uh, David. I'm looking at her weight right now, and Mayer came in at 129 and a half. And Calista Salgado yeah. came in at 127 and three quarters. Now, Salgado, we've heard her mention before. She's fought some names. Um, it's not the first fighter that Mayer has fought that has a name, as, at least as an opponent. Uh, the first one was Nidia Feliciano. But I believe Calista Salgado has even fought for uh, world titles, the WBO uh, yeah. mainly. And I'll go over it with, with you her record in a little bit. This is uh Mayer is twenty eight years old. She's eight and zero with four knockouts. Very tall for the weight. She's five nine. Um she's coming off a uh, a unanimous decision win last October against Vanessa Bradford. She fought Edna case was fought everybody. She stopped her um in uh in Arizona She's fought Sheila Sheena Flamen, Baby Nansen, Maria Semers Goldsglow, Lydia Feliciano, Alison Martinez, and Winelli Figueroa. But Calista Salgado, she's 17 and 10 with three losses, 30 years old from Colombia. And she's fought a pretty good uh, array of fighters. Uh, she's fought Chantal Martinez, 
she's fought Paulina Cardona, she's fought Jasmine Rivas, she's fought Ogledia Suarez, she's fought uh, Mayerlin Rivas, mm-hmm. she's fought uh, Jennifer Hahn, Amanda Serrano stopped her, Cindy Serrano went a majority decision against her, uh, Shelly Vincent uh, went unanimous decision and a majority decision. So she's only been stopped three times, and, and one of them was by Amanda Serrano. Mayelin Rivas stopped her too. And then the, her first stoppage loss was by Alejandra Marina Oliveras, La Locomotora, who is huge, but this was back in 2013. So she has a pretty good chin. Um, we'll see what Mayer can do against her. I think she's quite smaller. I think that she has fought like in the 122-126 range. Yeah. Um, and, and now she's going to be facing Mayer, who can make 135, no problem, can make 130, no problem. So I think it's going to be uh, – uh, I don't know if it's going to be a test. She's 5'4", so she has her work cut out with uh, for her against a 5'9 Mayer. I don't see it going the distance, David. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, Michaela has too much firepower. Yeah, and, and and one thing about Mayer that I like that we've seen in the, her eight fights is that she improves after every fight, and every fight she looks better than the fight she that, than the fight before. Yeah, yeah, she just gets the the pro style; it just fits her perfectly. And I don't see I don't see um, anything else happening uh, uh, tomorrow night where I think we're going to see a better mayor than we've seen in her last fight. But it's going to be a good name in the resume. She has a, a fighter that has fought some names, so it's going to look good on her record. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, this is this will be the last time she fights something like this. I think they're going to be going after a world title um, in 2019. And sure. she is she did hold. She does hold, I think, uh, an NABF title, but I don't think this. It's on yeah. the line tomorrow night. Yeah, she in her last uh, fight she captured a vacant NABF super featherweight title, but it doesn't. It doesn't say that it's scheduled to be on the line uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, it's possible though, because even a round fight for NABF titles. Yeah, so it, it, it may be. May be. Um, now on Saturday, December fifteenth, in China. Casey Morton is going to be fading Jutamas Jigpong in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBO Asia-Pacific Super Flyweight title. So Morton, who is from Hawaii, but fights out of the Bay Area here in California, San Francisco, and is trained by um, Nonito Donaire's father, will be going back to Asia for, I think, her second or third fight in a row. And she's, I guess, getting some experience out there before she goes for some bigger names out here. She's undefeated, seven wins, three losses, only one knockout. A little bit uh, up there in age, 35 years old. She started boxing fairly late in her life. And uh, this will be her uh, one, two, three, fourth fight in a row in in Asia. She first fought in Asia um, back in uh, June of last year in uh, the Philippines. And then she fought in China, and then she fought in the Philippines again, and now she's going back to China uh, to go after this vacant WBO Asia Pacific uh, Super Flyweight title. Right now she's, she's uh, going up. She's going up in weight too. Um, yeah, one twelve to one fifteen. Yeah, she held. She 
she last held the vacant WBO Asia Pacific flyweight title. So she's going to go up to 115. So let's see how she does there. And I would love to see her fight uh, here in the United States again. Her last fight in the United States was in San Francisco. It was a draw, a majority decision draw against Samantha Salazar um, back in uh, in September 2006. And in 2016, I'm sorry, in San Francisco. Uh, in Germany, Tuna Rupert, Rupert Rupert will be facing Niorkis Carreno, uh, defending her WBC 105-pound title in a 10-rounder. And at the Madison Square Garden on the zone, on that matchroom boxing card that is being uh, headlined by Saul Canelo Alvarez challenging WBA super middleweight champion Rocky Fielding. We're going to have Katie Taylor, the IBF and WBA champion, defending her 135-pound title against fellow undefeated and current WBC super featherweight champion, Eva Wallstrom. David, this is quite possibly, I mean, not quite possibly, without question, the toughest fighter that Katie Taylor has faced in her young career. Uh, Well, I don't know. It is going to be competitive because they fought many times as an amateur if you read the story by Phil Wolver in the prizefighters.com, um, Kiva describes fighting Katie Taylor a number of times, and they were always close fights. And this mm-hmm. time, they're fighting 10 rounds, not just four. And uh, the other thing is that we shouldn't forget that Katie Taylor did fight Jessica McCaskill, who is now the 140 world champion. And uh, True. I kind of didn't, I didn't give Katie Taylor credit for beating Jessica McCaskill, now we know how good Jessica McCaskill is. She won the world title hands down, and Katie beat her. So more credit to Katie. She is pretty good. And and I agree with you to a certain extent. Katie Taylor, 11-0, five knockouts, 32 years old, from Bray, Ireland. And I do, I do uh, agree with you to a certain extent that Jessica McCaskill is a very tough fighter. We've had her here on the show along with her trainer slash manager, Rick Ramos. But in Eva Wallstrom, she's going to be fighting a fighter that is quite possibly much more 38 years old, uh, much more experienced than Jessica McCaskill. I mean, as you just mentioned, they have faced each other a number of times in the in the amateurs. So Eva Wallstrom does have somewhat of an amateur pedigree uh, to a certain point that that she faced Katie Taylor, a two-time uh, Olympian in the amateurs, and as she described it, close fights as an amateur. She's 22-0 and 0 with one draw, three knockouts. She won the title back in, um, let's see here, back in 2015. It was a vacant title. She scored a unanimous decision against Natalia Vanessa del Valle Aguirre. I don't have to tell you that. This. She's probably Argentinian, the <laughs> opponent. Argentine. <laughs> yeah. Then she fought Diana Santana. She's fought Anaí Esther Sanchez. She fought Maria, Mayra Alejandra Gomez, another Argentine who I've seen fight who's very tough. And she scored a majority decision against Melissa Stainville. Obviously, Melissa Stainville has disputed that decision. Melissa Stainville has oh, yeah. gone on the record, has gone on the record on the social media, basically saying that she dropped Eva Wanstrom and that it was ruled a slip. But at the yeah. end, Eva Wanstrom did defend her title and kept the title. So, although I do believe that Jessica McCaskill is a tough 
woman and a tough fighter and a tough champion, I do think that this is the best fighter that Katie Taylor has faced as a professional. We shall see. We shall see. We shall see. That's right. Now, David, I know that you, um, you know, you just kind of gave Katie Taylor some credit by by saying that she beat um, Jessica McCaskill. But at one point, yeah. you didn't even have her in your top ten. Now I no, do believe I now that she. Now I do believe that in her, from her last fight, um, she gained a little bit more respect from you as far in the top ten by beating Cindy Serrano handedly, completely dominating Cindy Serrano. Um, and what would that do to your top ten and to your thoughts on Katie Taylor if she's able to defeat Eva Wallstrom? Um, she's definitely. Before fighting Eva Wilson, she is in the top 10 now. Well, top 12. I have a 12. But she mm-hmm. is in the top 12. And uh, she does uh, rank now. I, I give her a lot more credit now because when she fought Jessica McCaskill, Jessica only had like five fights or six fights. And, you know, it was like she was picking and choosing to fight girls that were not experienced. But now we know that Jessica, regardless of the low amount of fights, Jessica could fight. And I think if Katie K- Taylor fought Jessica McCaskill today, she would have an even tougher fight. She might not even beat her. Uh, Jessica is that good. And and Jessica improved a lot from that fight against Katie Taylor, maybe because she learned a lot. And when she fought uh, Erica Farias, she just dominated her. And I was shocked at how easy she won that fight. Now, I did see a a story that just came out uh, recently where it kind of maps out Katie Taylor's 2019, where if Eddie Hearn, who promotes her, can have her way, she fights Eva Wallstrom this Saturday and defeats her. At one point or another, they they fight Delphine Persoon, who is the WBC 135-pound champion who holds that title close to her breast and doesn't leave Belgium whatsoever, doesn't talk to the media, doesn't doesn't do anything. But if one way or the other, I mean, if somebody can get Delphine Pursuit to fight out of Belgium or maybe get Katie Taylor to go there and fight there, um, it's Eddie Hearn. And then also they're mentioning going after the WBO champion Brazil's Rose Volante, and then, like we had mentioned here before, going all the way to the end of 2018 and fighting Amanda Serrano. Now, David, if they make that a reality where they fight Pursun and they fight Volante and they fight Serrano and she beats Wallstrom on Saturday, where does that place Katie Taylor in the female boxing? If she beats Amanda Serrano, she'll be at least number two. Pound for pound, at least uh, because we, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, because we don't know what's going to happen with Layla McCarter. Is she going to fight one of these other girls too? You know, we don't know. And yeah. uh, as, but she will, and she can beat Amanda Serrano. She goes way up there. I agree. Now, one thing that, and, and one thing, and I kind of want to go back to to the HBO telecast. Because I, I was I watched it on the telecast, you watched it live, and I'm not sure if you were privy to this, but Jim Lampley had the opportunity to do a post-fight interview with Cecilia Brekos after her fight against uh, Alexandra Lopez, and she mentioned 
the one fighter that she mentioned, that uh, Jim Lampley uh, mentioned Clarissa Shields. Breakus didn't sound all that interested. She said that Cecilia, that that Clarissa Shields still has a little some more rocks to chip before maybe she gets a fight against Breakus. But the one fighter that Breakus mentioned was Chris Cyborg, and yeah. that's the fight. Okay, I hate this. That, yeah, and that's where I'm going to is that the. That she keeps mentioning Chris Cyborg. She keeps she mentioned it here on the show. She mentioned that that would be a fight in Vegas, which is her dream to fight in Vegas. But to me, David, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for female boxing. It might do something no, for Cecilia Break Breakhouse pocketbook, and it might do something for for I mean her legacy as an athlete, not so much as a boxer. And it's just a female version yeah. of, of 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 Floyd Mayweather against against McGregor, which didn't do anything but fat in their pockets. Yeah, basically that's what it is. I mean, I, I all credit to Cecilia. She can make more money doing that, and if that's her goal, good. But if her goal is at all to pick up female boxing, well, that's the wrong move because there's so many fighters out there that she should fight to really prove that she is the best. I mean, Everybody says she's pound for pound. I've never said that. I still think Layla McCarter is the best. And until she beats Layla McCarter, I'm always going to say it's Layla McCarter. And uh, I, what I saw on Saturday when she fought did not prove to me that she's the best, pound for pound. She's up there, probably number two or number three. But uh, I still think that Layla beats her. I see a lot of uh, flaws. I don't think she's really... Um, as good an athlete as she is, she is not the complete boxer that Layla McCarter is. I I I agree with that. Obviously, pound for pound lists are are, are subjective. Yes. Um, I, I I even think that that if we were going to talk talent wise by itself, I think there's other fighters out there that are technically more sound than Cecilia Brekus. You know, I would if we're yeah. just talking about. Mm-hmm technical boxing mm-hmm. ability and talent, I don't even know if I would have her in the top five when we talk about sheer boxing yeah. talent and boxing technique. But exactly, you also have to consider the accomplishments. You know, the fact that she's, hold, she's held these titles for this long and that she's basically, short of Layla MacArthur, has fought everybody in and around the 147 pounds and be in, and dominated them. You know, but, it's but not really mainly fought, She's mainly fought European fighters. Now that she's over here, if she gives the American girls a chance, she'll find out it's a whole different world. Yeah, so but even at one... But who, who at 147? Who at 147 well, could I'm, be highly ranked to say that she's going to make a difference against Cecilia Brekus. I mean, the thing is, is that 147, short of Layla MacArthur, the, the talent pool is not that deep at 147. You know, you can have Jessica McCaskill go up, but then, you know, Jessica McCaskill yeah. has less than 10 fights. Yeah, very true. It's very true. And Amanda Serrano That's, could go I, up. But, but I still think that uh, even if McCaskill were to go up at 147, I think she'd give a hard time, <laughs> a very hard time. I think so, too, but I don't think she beats her. I think she does, too, but uh, I don't I, think she beats her, and I think that Breakhouse was be able to use her physical advantage to beat her. Not so yeah, much her talent, yeah, her boxing ability, right. 
or her physical advantages to beat her. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think that um, as being the pound for pound best, it's kind of like a responsibility to show the fans how good you are in fighting those people that are right around you that are the best, like Layla McCarter, for instance. I think that mm-hmm. fight, if it doesn't, if she retires without fighting Layla McCarter, that'll be one of the saddest things in female boxing history, alongside Layla Ali and Ann Wolf, alongside mm-hmm. Christy Martin, Lucia Riker. Those mm-hmm. fights were never made. Yeah, and, and that's and what I, this will do. I honestly think that that may happen. Now, one thing that I would love to see Cecilia Breakhouse do, more so than that Chris Cyborg fight, is perhaps go up to 154 and fight those champs. Maybe she maybe she doesn't yeah. catch weight. Maybe she doesn't catch weight at 150 or something just to get in the ring with them. And and you got good fighters there. I mean, you got Anna Gabriels, who gave a great performance against Clarissa Shields. I mean, dropped oh, yeah. Clarissa Shields, right? Great performance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nothing to be ashamed of. She's 18-2, one draw, 11 knockouts. She's the WBA champ. That's that's yeah, that's credible correct, yeah. opponent right there. Then you got the WBC correct, champ correct. Ewa Ewa Piatkowska. Well, that could lead up to that, but we have Ewa Piatkowska at yeah. twelve and one with four knockouts, and then we have the Canadian Mary Eve DeCarry who just beat Chris Namus for the IBF. She's fourteen and zero. Yep, so, a lot of talent up there. So that's what something I would like to see, and I agree with you. I mean, I don't I don't think I don't think that we're going to see Layla McCarthy. I don't think that. If it hasn't been made by now, it's probably never going to be made because, because you know, I mean, we all know what Layla MacArthur wants, and they're not willing to give it to her, and there's no reason why six months later they're going to give her a million dollars because she's not bringing anything to the table, honestly. But her, but the fact that she's Layla MacArthur, and the fact that her and her and her uh, trainer slash manager, uh, first name, what's his first name? I know his last name is Tapia. Uh, Luis Tapia, I mean, they're asking for the fight from every corner of the world, but they can't, they can't, they can't convince her. So besides that, what does Layla MacArthur bring to the table? She hasn't fought. She doesn't have a title. She doesn't bring uh, uh, ticket sales or anything like that. She didn't fight for one of those four titles, but she just won two titles in her last fight in Germany. That's the other thing. She's going to Germany. Yeah, German girls in Germany, and that's very hard to do. But that's the thing is, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, I think we're gonna. I think I'm gonna see Cecilia Breakhouse because even though she hasn't said it in the United States, I did see a report that she gave an interview in Norway that basically she's saying she's almost done. And I, I'm gonna guess that 2019, at the most, 2020 is her last is her last year in boxing. Yeah, which is sad that this fight uh, doesn't look like it's gonna happen. Now, well, then, moving on, Madison Square Garden this Saturday night of the zone. If you have that, tune in to see Katie Taylor against Eva Wallstrom. That's going to be a great fight. And lastly, on Saturday, December 29th in Argentina, this might be a this might be a world record, David. I don't think I've ever heard. Well, no, probably. Do you know if Amanda Serrano and Sidney Serrano fought for world titles on the same fight card before? Uh, yeah, they did. They, I think they fought in Puerto Rico. For world titles? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. Uh, I'm going to guess so too, but uh, let me double check. Because I know, because there hasn't been a lot of sisters 
you know, Ana Maria Torres and Silvia Torres, but they, they never, I don't even think they ever fought on the same card. And then you have uh, Mariana Juarez and Lourdes Juarez, and they haven't fought on the same card for world titles because Lourdes Juarez hasn't fought for a world title on the same card. Yeah. On December 29th in Argentina, Daniela Bermudez will be defending her WBO 108-pound title against Mexican Jacet Noriega. And the current IBF light flyweight champion, Guadalupe Bautista from Mexico, is going to be traveling to Argentina and be defending that title against Bermudez's youngest sister, Evelyn Bermudez. So on the same card, you're going to have the Bermudez sisters fighting for world titles. And I'm trying to see if that is some kind of record, um, because I don't know if uh, if Amanda and Cindy, who are the other sisters uh, that could have possibly done that, um, I don't know if they've done it yet. Like I just saw one of the fights in Puerto Rico, and it wasn't that one. Let me see this other Puerto Rico fight. Uh, Cindy Machado. Oh, as far as I can see, the sisters haven't fought together in Puerto Rico on the same card. Let me see farther down. Uh, I don't know, David. That's something that we should research. Because if not, that may be a world record where two sisters fight for a world title on the same card. Oh, okay. And well, there you have it, David. That is the last of the fight card. Let me go over it real quick because it's not that long, and and it is in the last uh, three weeks of the year. Friday, tomorrow, Friday, December 14th, Marcela Cunha defends her IBF 122-pound title against Jennifer Rodriguez. Isabel Millan comes back from her loss to Nicola Adams in Mexico. Micaela Mayer tomorrow night on ESPN Plus against Calista Salgado. Uh, on Saturday, Casey Morton in China for a vacant WBO Asia-Pacific Super Flyweight title. Tina Rupkret defends her WBC 105-pound title against Yorkie Sereno. The fight of the weekend, if not, I mean, I think on paper, this is a very, very good fight. One of the best of the year on paper, Katie Taylor against Eva Wallstrom in a 10-rounder for the IBF and WBA 135-pound titles. And on Saturday, December 29th for Argentina, Daniela Bermudez defends her WBO 118-pound title against Mexican Jacet Noriega. And Guadalupe Bautista defends against Bermudez's sister, Evelyn, in a 10-rounder for the IBF light flyweight title. And I think there is another Bermudez sister, too, that I think she just made her pro debut not too long ago. Yeah, I think there is, too. I think I, I came across her this recently. All right, David, so this is the last show of the two-minute round in 2018. So why don't you go ahead and say your goodbyes, and our next show will be on January 3rd, where we're going to be going over our fighter of the year, fight of the year, knockout of the year, everything of the year on January 3rd, and then also what we're looking forward to in um, in 2019. And also look for those articles that are probably going to come out before January 3rd on the pricefighters.com where obviously they're going to be a little bit more detailed as far as what we thought about January, about December, about, sorry, 2018 and what we're looking forward to in 2019. Go ahead, David. Uh, yes. Uh, I just, um, the last one I want to say is uh, again, um, congratulations to Kalisha West for her retiring after her lengthy career in boxing as an amateur and pro. Uh, we did mention her last time, but, uh, she had uh, suffered some injuries and was forced to retire. Uh, she was a two-division world champion, and uh, that's it for Felicia West. 
There you go. So, Kalisha West, we send her a big hug and a big congratulations. She is starting to show. She's pregnant as well. So, if you uh, if you follow her on social media, she's starting to show some pictures and post some pictures of her uh, of her uh, belly. She's starting to show. I think she's going to have a little boy, and we wish her all the luck with that. That's probably going to be the biggest fight of her career. Uh, raising that little boy, but I'm sure, as, like she did in the in the boxing ring, becoming multi-time world champion, she's gonna come out a winner in that as well. And with that, we bid you good night, and we see you on January 3rd. Good night. Good night. Mm-hmm.